Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Fundbelt Podcast, Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper from Hellraiser.com. How goes there, Jeremy, as we get ready to wind up the softball and baseball conferences? Well, you know what I did? I, I, I issued a tweet this afternoon. It said, May 1st, so we are one month away from June content. So you know what that means. We better hurry up and get all this in now. No, it means you got to get all your, your, your articles, like uh, stuff like uh, if your ke- head coach, if the Sunbelt head coaches were vegetables, what would they be? You know, or top 10 reasons that you'd hang out at San Marcos, just stuff like that, just constant flux because we have no content. So right now with baseball and softball, now that the NFL draft is over, this is all we, pretty much all we got. We always have content, Jeremy. What are you talking about? We have the best guests. We have intriguing discussions about God only knows what. I have to go back and listen because I feel like I just kind of leave my body and it's just a rambling talking head to you. No, no. Every time we talk, you offer the most penetrating insight. Like I come away with a master class of college football. And college base basketball and college baseball too, and softball and volleyball. I mean, you your 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 depth of knowledge is impressive. Or I just know how to bullshit. <laughs> well, that's really a hundred percent of what we do, is it not right? Some days. But it is definitely baseball season and we are getting ready. To... No, 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 no. All right, yeah, let's talk about this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's just let's get over with. Texas State takes two of three from South Alabama. The yeah. Sunday game was a football game. Luckily, the Bobcats went for two. At one point, it was 21 to eight. Jags, I think, scored 10 in one inning. I think so. Something like that. I think they, they kind the of Saturday, just. The Saturday game was a first to 10 wins, and, and the Bobcats excelled there, going 11 to 10 to, to get the, yeah. the series win there on Saturday. They remain the king of the standings, but Georgia Southern is really still the hottest team. But this weekend fell two to one to the Shanks. Yeah, I think that's a reminder, uh, Tibbs, that the Chanticleers, they, they, you know, they may not be having the best season. Georgia Southern may have the good record. Texas State may have the good wins. The chance will always be there. The chance will always be a good baseball program. And you do not want to see them when it comes Sunbelt tournament time. And if you see them even after the Sunbelt tournament, which I don't know if it's going to happen, you're not going to want to see them then either. So Texas State has just about wrapped up the top seed. Yeah. But 
coming into the last few weekends of the season, nobody's eliminated. Even a team as high as South Alabama at 10 and 11 could find themselves sitting at home and not in Montgomery for that postseason tournament. And you know why that is, Dustin? Because we just cannibalize one another. The bottom quarter. No, no, let's say it. Let's even say the bottom third of the Sunbelt standings is the most fascinating storylines in all the Sunbelt. Yeah, it's about a two-game spread between being in Montgomery and not being in Montgomery. Yeah. I mean, who do you got down there? You've got UTA, which took two or three from Arkansas State. You got Arkansas State, which Jekyll and statistically Hyde. is not in last place. Somehow UTA is. Then you got Appalachian State with six wins, I believe. Then you've got what ULM, mm-hmm. who's constantly underperforming. Although I don't know what they did this weekend. I, I I feel like they came away with at least one win this weekend. They did have at least one win this weekend. And then you have UA Little Rock, who's just not good. Somehow, with enough wins to sort of stay away. And then South Alabama, maybe the most disappointing team. In the conference this year, like you just said, still could get eliminated. Probably won't. But it's pretty fascinating down there. The basement is where the action is. That's where the pool table is, the dartboard, the toilet that just has no walls around it. It's it's all there. Warhawks did not win, by the way. They blew a late lead and took the sweep by the Trojans. Because I, I did notice that they were playing UALR pretty tough. So, yeah. well, I'm sorry to hear about. I'm sorry that's happened. But your adopted team, the Bobcats, still on top. Still sitting on top. On you the know, softball when side. Do we, when do we start seriously talking about hosting regionals? Are we already in that discussion? I think you, I, I think that's kind of falling off the table there with Texas State's recent struggles. Georgia Southern's being swept or nearly swept by the Shants. I don't think that there will be a Sunbelt host this year unless something just really crazy happens. I think everyone else has to lose for them to gain the the regional instead of the Sunbelt winning to get the the, the regional. But you think now, because you've obviously thought about this, now is the time to have that discussion. We are in that, we are in that atmosphere right now. So start discussing whether or not regionals are going to, or who's going to host what. We're in that position now. I don't think anybody hosts. I do think that the Sunbelt can get two, probably three teams in with Texas mm-hmm. State, Georgia Southern, and then kind of a toss-up there between Coastal Carolina and Louisiana Lafayette. What if both of them got Four teams would be incredible. Four teams. Four and teams. Then, what, who do we have, then who do we have coming in? Southern Miss? Are they, they're, they're, they're pretty good. They'll host a regional. So – Sunbelt baseball next year had better be like the talk of college baseball. I think it will be the premier mid-major. No, 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 no. Not the mid-major, Thibodeau. I'm talking about the premier conference in baseball. Not happening just yet. (sighs) There is no Sunbelt conference network. (laughs) There is not cheers of uh-huh. 30,000 football fans cheering yeah. SBC, SBC. All right. It just okay. doesn't mean that much. 
All right, you know what though? I'm gonna ignore your pessimism there and your facts and your realities. And I'm just gonna say that next year, Sunbelt Baseball, it's nothing but ESPN. It's nothing awesome. but like uh, like uh, like uh, little side excursions by like baseball. ESPN three logins. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I'm very excited about this. On the softball side, something you know nothing about. I know nothing about. So this is going to be all YouTube. You're going to have to run with this. This is going. To, you're going to have to carry the weight of this segment. I'm just going to sit back and watch. It's like going to Silver Dollar City and watching those master craftsmen at work. But instead of watching a guy make like a straw basket or a horseshoe, I'm watching you explain to our listeners what's going on in Sunbelt softball. So hit it. I'm here to watch. I'm here to observe. I'm here to learn. Like Chuck E. Cheese and the damn drummer that doesn't even have a drum set. No. No, hmm. this is already starting off bad. This self-deprecation, that's not you, Tibbs. I want confidence. Just just go ahead and blow it out of the water. It's all you. Here you go. I confidently know that. Just like I know, Jeremy, mm-hmm. segmenting there, that the Cajuns and Jags are neck to neck. Heading into the final week of the regular season, both teams picked up series wins. Okay. Cajuns need just one more conference win to seal the regular season conference title. And they help themselves out just in case they do fall in the conference tournament coming up in Gulf Shores or Mobile. Okay. Cajuns picked up a 5-1 win midweek over the University of Houston. But you can't count out. The Bobcats, winners of 11 straight. They need a sweep and for USA and ULL to be swept to raise a trophy. Don't think that's going to happen. What can we do to stop the rise of the Bobcats? They're they're like dominating every sport. I love that their Twitter account for softball has begun counting the number of trains and train horns that uh, are a part of the softball games there in San Marcos. Uh, I don't know what it is of why. Tell me more. Explain, please. Why do good baseball stadiums have to be near or on railroad tracks? (laughs) I don't know. You know, it seems like even growing up when I played baseball, it seemed like all baseball fields had a train in the outfield that would come through. And it would always, everybody would stop. Everybody stopped, turn around, look at the train. Maybe that's where the most land is. Right around a, a, a train yard or a, a train track. And it's just easy to stick a diamond out there or a set of diamonds. I heard stories from old Southwest Texas alum talking about the train, how it kind of runs through the middle of San Marcos's campus. The train would make you late for class, Jeremy. <laughs> I tell you, Arkansas State's situated the same way at the edge of the campus. Big old long train track. They had to build, finally built a bridge over the train track. It was a, a has big by, accomplishment. Monroe has one out by the mall that yeah. seems to always stop at 8 o'clock noon and then around 4.30 to 5 o'clock. Proceeding down the track just long enough to make you think that you're going to finally get past this train yeah. only to see it back up. <laughs> I, I've seen that happen before. It's very frustrating to be in the situation where you're waiting for that train to get by. 
Hey, let me ask you a question, Tins. What do you have? Have you been keeping up with the transfer portal in basketball? I have, because the Warhawks signed AD, a power forward out of the University of Alabama, Birmingham, coming in, has some Sunbelt Conference experience, starting off, I believe, at South Alabama before making the jump to UAB and now back into the Sunbelt at ULM. Wow, he has taken quite the turn or quite the journey, the Sunbelt journey. So I have been keeping up with uh, the transfer portal and Sunbelt basketball. And uh, I just want to let you know that some of these guys are, are finding homes. But in the last few weeks, we've had the Sunbelt freshman of the year, the Sunbelt sixth man of the year the Sunbelt Player of the Year, the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year, and the Sunbelt Newcomer of the Year. They've all entered the portal. Now, Norchad O'Meara, he's going to Miami. He's the Sunbelt Player of the Year and the Defensive Player of the Year. That is the U, Jeremy. That is not Miami. That's the U. Yeah, I, I refuse to go into that. Okay. That's just not my thing. Don't we have Elijah there. McCadden. He was the Sunbelt Sixth Man of the Year out of Georgia Southern. He went to Memphis. You have not uh, the best move because they might not be playing basketball much longer. <laughs> yes, that, that rumor is kind of floating around. You've got Effie Adigi. I could be mispronouncing that. He's from Troy. He was the Sunbelt top newcomer. He has not found a new landing space yet but duke dean of troy was the sunbelt freshman of the year he's going to bradley don't think that's a good move because uh, while bradley is one of those teams that when you yeah. see the brackets come out you're like eh, they've been there before i think troy's oh, yeah. going to be i think troy's going to be there before bradley returns to the tournament i agree but did you know that Bradley has been to the final four twice. Were we alive during those times? We were not alive. It was the 1950s. Well, you might have been alive. You bastard. All right. So also interesting about the Sunbelt portal. Three, four, five, six, seven. About 11 Coastal Carolina players have entered the portal, including Ebrima Dibba, who is number one in the Sun Belt for assists this year? He's gone to South Carolina. Step up. What? No. What? Going to the SEC. Again, no. we're, back to, we're back to the cheers of the crowd. No, 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 no. That's not how we do it here. We don't do that here. Okay, he downgraded to go to South Carolina. Is that better? Yes. Than okay. He has sold, sold out to go to a maybe a place with more money, maybe a place with, with more resources but not a better place than Coastal Carolina. Oh, my God. It is surprising. It, it does make you kind of wonder what's going on at Coastal that pretty much your entire roster jumps onto the portal. Is, is that a coaching? Is that a uh, program as a whole? Did, did somebody not pass their classes that they needed to? What's going on for that entire roster to jump into the portal? You know what, what we really need to do is get a hold of somebody from Coastal Carolina to parse that out. I think they're kind of flying beneath the radar on that. But I'm wondering if maybe if Cliff Ellis, legendary coach 
or Coastal Carolina, and I think coached at some other place, and I don't know the SEC. I can't remember where. But uh, perhaps he's retiring? Is there something going on with Coach Ellis that maybe he's let his players know, but maybe no one else? Or is it a question that he's not retiring and they're done with him? I don't know, and I'll tell you why. I feel like they overachieved this year. And then they ended up in one of those, what, which tournament was it? The classic? And ended up in the finals in that, or the semifinal, right? That they did. Yeah. So, the finals, and then they fell to close the Yeah, I don't know if you can look at Cliff Ellis and go, yeah, you kind of underachieved. I don't know. But then again, you know, it's a kind of a volatile world in college basketball. It's all about results. Don't get the results, then you're just not going to, you know, you're just not going to, you're not going to get the contract extension. Still, it is very weird that 11 Coastal Carolina players have entered the portal. So as we pivot from there, yeah, it is not the portal, no. but instead the NFL draft. Mm, did you watch it? I did. And you know listen to it on Cirrus XM. There's a free Ooh. plug for them. Yeah. I was impressed. The, the, the Sundog Conference continued to have multiple selections for 19 of the 21 years that they've sponsored football, beginning dating back to 2001. Yeah. They had five players taken in the first 161 draft picks. Yeah. That was the fastest that the Sunbelt had ever reached five selections in conference history. And I want to say they had a record, too, for having a certain number selected in the fourth round or before. I think there was, there was also a tweet that came out from the Sunbelt office about that. And that's good news for the Sunbelt. We all know that when it comes to the Sunbelt, a rising tide raises all ships. Now, nobody from ULM got picked, which is always a surprise because it always seems like some random guy from ULM gets, ULM gets picked. No one from my Arkansas State got picked. For, we haven't had a guy since 2014. Everybody's pretty angry about that, but you know, you got to move on. But there's some pretty good guys that got through there. The one guy that I would thought was going to have his name called and didn't was Hiley from Coastal Carolina. No Hiley, but he did wind up getting in the undrafted free agent. Were you yeah. surprised, though, that South Alabama's Jalen Talbert was the first guy off the board, third round to the Dallas Cowboys? Well, you know, I just poking around all the, the mock drafts. Tolbert was high up on the on the list. Quite frankly, I like likely better than I like Tolbert, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina. In fact, somebody asked me about that. I said, if I had to pick one guy out of the Sun Belt, I probably would have picked likely. He's just a big guy, can catch passes, tight end, everybody. Tight ends were a pretty big commodity this year. Uh, but Tolbert, Tolbert torched everybody he played. It felt like he was in the league. Thibodeau for 10 years it was like 10 years it felt like of getting terrorized by Jalen Tolbert to see him go to the Dallas Cowboys where he did I, I actually I think he he got there in the right place I it didn't surprise me now I, I did think, think that Max um oh the the the, the Max uh, Mitchell from Monroe Louisiana yeah I thought he would I thought he might get up a little higher he didn't but I did too I, I expected him to go he went in the fourth round. I expected yeah. him to maybe go second or third just because there was kind of that run of offensive linemen during that time frame. Definitely showed what he was capable of. 
in the senior bowl, as well as making it to the NFL combine. I think the one that really surprised me, but at the same time didn't was safety from Louisiana Lafayette, Percy Butler going two picks after Max Mitchell in the fourth round to the Washington commanders. I still can't get used to saying that. I like, you know what? I had Percy Butler. I I didn't have like a draft list. I put out a story about who's going to get drafted from the Sun Belt. Percy Butler was in my second tier. And, but I really expected highly once again to be selected over Percy Butler. I don't remember Percy Butler ever just dominating a game. Now he might have, but he never really dominated games I watched, but he, he, he met all the NFL criteria. Highly, I've seen dominate games. So that's why I was a little surprised, highly. But you know what? There's a lot of guys out there that dominated the Sun Belt that didn't get their name called. Corey Sutton is one such name from Appalachian State. Corey Sutton is one of those wide receivers that had been out there and just terrorized everybody he played against. Anytime he got up onto the field, he was injured sometimes, especially last year. He was just a tough guy. To block, and then there was also another guy, Harrington. No, 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 Hennington, Henningsey, Hennessy. I forget. He was a wide receiver from uh, from Appalachian State too. Really big guy. I thought maybe he'd get his name called. Did not. So there were some guys that I expected maybe would he I, I would hear from, but as usual, I was wrong. I think the one that really surprised me that he went as late as he did and was not again. Uh, taken as more like an undrafted free agent was defensive end Jeffrey Gunter from Coastal Carolina signing with the Bengals. Great player, but I, I, again, I, I feel like the likes of Hiley and a couple others in the Sunbelt Conference that were in the draft were better prospects than Gunner. Oh, yeah. Gunner was a guy that surprised me. But you know what? We've had people from Coastal Carolina I can't remember who it was who said Gunner was going to go. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And he did. <laughs> so that, there's something about him that really, yeah, he was my big surprise uh, uh, to come off the board. Although apparently he wasn't surprised to some people. <laughs> but uh, anybody from ULM that you thought deserved a chance? You know, I, th- I thought our previous show guest there, Ty Shelby, had an outside chance of maybe falling down to that seventh uh, seventh yeah. round, the Mr. Irrelevant uh, dr- type draft pick, but didn't actually yeah. did wind up getting an undrafted free agent. You know, I think a lot of times guys only focus on having their name called, so to say, in the draft, but there's a lot of guys that have, I say fallen, but still get the shot at the league going in the undrafted free agent slot, UDFA for short. You know, there's been a lot of guys in the past from the Sunbelt Conference that have really held on to those uh, positions there. Brandon Silver's there from Troy. Larry Rose the third, J.D. McKissick, Omar Bayless there from Arkansas State. Trey Regis from Louisiana Lafayette going to the Raiders. Yeah. Actually wound up making the roster at one point and getting several carries. Yeah. Josh Johnson from – Seattle Seahawks, kind of a similar situation. Josh Peterson, son of Doug Peterson there, had a, a brief, I guess, Major League Baseball type of cup of coffee there with the 49ers. Yeah. Played a couple other places before kind of giving up. But then you have C.J. Marable, also from Coastal Carolina, guys sticking around on practice squad with the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's my thanks to Arkansas State's uh, now eight-year drought in the in the uh, in the draft. We talk about UDFA a lot. And here's what always comes up. Oh, that's better for the players. You know, they, they usually get a bigger contract. You know, it's not, they, they, they're not locked in to whatever team. They can bounce around, do what they want. There's a lot more freedom. Good for them. And then we kind of talk ourselves into, well, that's, you know, that's even better than getting drafted. And maybe it is better for the players, but for the Sunbelt and for the program, that's, it's not good. Because what, like Arkansas State and ULM and all these play, places want to say is we put people in the NFL. They hear their name on draft day, day one, day two, or three. They're going to hear that you, if you play for us, you got a shot to get drafted. I don't and, think that's necessarily true. I, I uh, Because if you look at like a baseball program, for instance, yeah. where the, the MLB draft of old, where it was 40 rounds, and then some even earlier drafts where it was a draft until you just got tired drafting. I don't feel that saying Jeremy Harper was drafted in the 150th round by, by a team is really the same thing as this guy didn't get drafted but still showed the strong work ethic that we taught him here that we really helped him prepare for. And look, here's a picture of him at the practice squad with uh -huh. the Saints, with the Chargers, the Seattle, Baltimore, whoever. I think that that means a whole lot more to see that if you work as hard as you possibly can, yeah. you're going to get that shot. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Tibbs. I, I feel like it's a shallow world. And if you have a three-day uh, broadcast with the NFL – and they're calling your name as much as even if you're in the seventh or sixth round. I just feel like that's just better exposure for the conference and for the team. Now, I could be, hey, Tibbs, I could be wrong about that. Maybe, maybe players do look like prospects do look a little deeper and go, oh, well, Arkansas State didn't have, you know, anybody called out on draft day. But look, they got a couple of UDFAs and some of them have done well in the NFL. So that, yeah, I can get to, I can get to the big show from Arkansas State. I, I don't know if prospects actually look that deep or care that much. I, 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 I get this idea that they like the blitz and the glitz and the glitter of the NFL draft. But again, I could be wrong. I, I'm just an old man sitting here in Arkansas, griping about my team, not getting anybody into the NFL draft. Here's the last thing I have to say about that, of, okay. of why I don't think that being drafted really helps your program. You had one of the best wide receivers ever in T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> yeah. First round draft pick. Yeah. What did that do for FIU? <laughs> I, you know what? Okay. Like, first of all, I think it did a lot for FIU, but FIU failed to capitalize on that. That's my, that's my thought on that. That's FIU's fault. That, that's FIU. Just, just failing to strike when the iron is hot. And I'll tell you what it did for FIU. It got them out of the Sun Belt, right? They were able to go, oh, we're too good for the Sun Belt. We're going to go to Conference USA. Now, did they live up to expectations? No, they cratered. But they, it did give them a bounce. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's all T.Y. Hilton. Although I often refer to him as Sun Belt legend T.Y. Hilton. He is Sun Belt legend material, no doubt. This year, though, we did have a, a slew of yeah. UDFAs 
for the the Sun Belt. Okay. Most notably, Levi Lewis headed yeah. to Seattle. Good for him. Javion Hiley headed to the Bengals. Saw him that. and Joe Burrow hooking up. I think that would be a great combination. That'd be fun to watch. Our former show guest there, Ty Shelby, getting his shot with the Chargers. Yeah, okay. And Shamoris Gilmore, offensive lineman for Georgia State, headed to Seattle as well. Maybe he'll be blocking for Levi Lewis, and they'll have a straight Sunbelt ticket. Had a chance. I think there were some people thought he might get his name called. I'm glad to see he got a chance. Even the new schools coming in had some guys wind up there. Two from Old Dominion, Isaac Weaver and Jordan Young, headed to the Chargers in Tampa Bay. Marshall's Alex Molette, a snapper, headed to the Colts. I'm glad to hear that, and I'll tell you why. I want these guys to come in strong. I want them to, these new guys to come in hot. I don't want to wait for them to get good. I want them to be good now. So, Jeremy, we talked about the guys that didn't necessarily have their name called, but then wound up getting the NFL call yes. with an undrafted free agent contract. A guy that knows all about that because he's actually been on the sports agency side doing both. He yeah. was able to represent Dak Prescott when he was drafted in the uh -huh. NFL from Mississippi State. Yeah. He's also represented guys like ULM's Marcus Green even on the undrafted free agent side. No kidding. From Pro Source Sports Entertainment, NFL agent Brian Creekmore joins us. Welcome in, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So, Brian, tell us, the draft's over. How does that process kind of kick off and start with the whole undrafted free agent negotiations, calls, and, and ev everything else in that process? You know, so I think, I think a lot of folks, uh, have the misconception that that uh, the undrafted free agent process starts uh, after Mr. Irrelevant, right? A lot of people think mm. that that it, it 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 holds until all the draft picks have been made, every team is done. Uh, but I would I would say that that really um, the undrafted free agent process starts probably around the third round. Um, you, you know, if you've got guys and, and if you're realistic now, there's, there's different types of agents and, and they handle their players different ways. And I've always been, uh, you know, of the mindset that you, you know, you've got to be honest with your guys. You've got to manage expectations. You've got to tell a guy that's a priority free agent guy, that he's a priority free agent guy and not tell him that he's a, you know, oh, well, you know, you might go fourth round, you might go fifth round. I mean, yeah, sure. Anything can happen. But, uh, you know, the likelihood is, is that we know who the guys are that we've got and we know. Uh, where they're going and, and especially on the agent side if you take a guy that you know is going to be a a free agent pre party free agent guy that said listen just because you don't get drafted uh doesn't you know doesn't mean that you can't make waves in the league um you know we've we've gotten a couple of guys that haven't gotten drafted and then they make their way up and they end up on on active rosters and they and they end up playing for years and uh you know so it's it, it's not a, a knock on a guy to say, listen, I don't think you're going to get drafted because we still, you know, agents still devote uh, and invest a considerable amount of money into these guys. Um, but you've just got to let these guys know, hey, listen, realistically, you know, you're probably not going to hear your name called. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not good. It doesn't mean that you can't play. It doesn't mean that you won't end up starting one day. Um, but you're probably not going to hear your name called. But what usually happens is around third round, fourth round, these guys that have been getting calls from 
uh, you know, all, all these scouts and, and front offices during the, the pre-draft process, you start getting calls from them, um, and they basically say, hey, listen, you know, let's, let's say we've got a, a hypothetical here that I represent a, a running back. Um, and they say, listen, the running back coach calls. And he said, listen, I know we've been, I know we've been, you know, uh, talking to you. You know, I really like you. I think you can play. I think you're a great fit in our scheme. Um, I want to take you, you know, in the fifth round. Um, that's, that's where I've got you pegged and I'm going to go and I'm going to fight for you. So, so just kind of keep your, keep your phone on you, um, and be, and be waiting. And then the fifth round will roll around and, and, you know, you get that call. Well, you know, they ended up, they had to, they had to get a safety, um, so, so, but, but I'm, I'm going to try to get you with our next pick. And so it's a, for, for the players, what it is, and, and for an agent that might not have done it very long, it, it's kind of this, um, you know, this wooing game, right? It's, I'm going to tell you that I love you. I'm going to tell you that you're pretty. I'm going to tell you that I want you. Uh, and then at the end of the draft, you say, man, you know, I, I fought for you all the way. I, I wanted to get you, but we couldn't, but now that it's over, um, I can make something happen. And here's why you need to come and sign with me. And they give you the rundown of, of what they can do for you as far as uh, if they can give you any kind of a signing bonus, they can, you know, they'll tell you what they see your role in the offense being. Um, they can even offer some guarantee in, in your uh, undrafted free agent contract, which is, you know, pretty B flat when they send it. And so that's what you start getting all along starting in the earlier rounds of the draft is, you start getting these calls of, hey, I, I really want you. I'm going to try to draft you. And maybe it's true, maybe it's not. It doesn't really matter as long as the player and the agent think that it's true. Um, you know, it's, it's so that they, you know, that the player, because they've already got in mind, you know, what they're going to do once the draft is over. Because there's tons of talent that's, that's left. There's tons of talent that doesn't get picked up. Um, you know, you look in, in this draft, uh, you know, you had Justin Ross, you had Big Cat Bryant. You know, you've got these guys that, that – should be should be on a team should be drafted and every year you look at it you say god how did that guy not get drafted so it's not that these guys don't have talent um it's just that there were other needs or better fits or whatever it may be uh, ahead of them and these teams know that and so they start building their post-draft signings you know early on they start working on that because they want you to know hey remember we didn't wait until the end of the draft we didn't wait until all everything was said and done to call you and say hey we really like it because some teams will there are some times where you hear from a team for the first time in the entire process um you know after that after the the last pick and and you get a call from a team that you haven't talked to at all um and they say hey we want to sign your guy and you know when you compare that to this other team that's been calling you since the third round you know, the player usually says, well, these guys have been interested in me for longer. I'm going to go that way. So it's a little bit of a shell game, but uh, that's in a nutshell kind of how it goes. Well, okay. So Tibbs and I were talking a little bit before you got on the air. What is the advantage or is there advantages to being an undrafted free agent as opposed to being uh, uh, drafted in the later rounds? Is there an advantage that you have? Yeah, I mean, I would say so, because what you know, the, the advantage is, of course, listen, everybody wants to get drafted. And there's not a single agent that if you went to him and said, hey, listen, would you rather have your guy get drafted in the seventh round or would you rather have him sign, you know, with a, you know as a free agent? You know, everybody wants to be drafted. Um, you know, it's a, it's a feather in your cap. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You can tell your kids and your grandkids, I got drafted the NFL. It's a special process, and it means a lot. But when you're, when you're talking about fit and when you're talking about where – a player wants to be, and, and it might be that 
and, and ex-college coaches there. It might be that they've got teammates there. It might be just that you know they you know they don't want to they don't want to play in and and I'm just you know throw a city out here not that I have anything against any of the NFL cities I want them all to take the players that I've got but let's say they don't want to play in Buffalo in December they you know and, and they've got a sure. chance to go play in Los Angeles you know so there there are different things that, that you know that that matters to different guys and like I said might be a better scheme fit might be that the you know the number one and number two guys uh, contracts are coming up and and they're not going to be there for long and a guy's got a chance to show out or uh, you know that that um, he he's played against some of the guys in front of him and he knows that he's better than them you know and and he says hey I can I can win out there easier than I can win out you know let's say at a a, a team that just picks you towards the end because they they want to be a camp body because you know, let's face it the the security the job security with a Six round pick, seventh round pick, and undrafted free agent, pretty much the same. I mean, they mm-hmm. they have zero qualms cutting anybody that's a late round player because they don't have a significant amount invested in you, really. Um, so it's not like there's a a a carrot to, to for the key the you know the, the team say okay I'm going to keep this guy because I've I've drafted him. Um, you know when it gets to that later round it it doesn't matter as much. I won't say it doesn't matter at all, but it doesn't matter as much. So having some control over where you go and, and, and what city you're in and what scheme you're in and what guys you have to beat out to, to stay in that uniform uh, means a lot. So, Brian, with that, uh, what kind of money are we talking about in these undrafted free agent, or is it really kind of just a roll of the dice of, of what you as an agent can negotiate and what the player is really asking for? Uh, you know, so, so every, every year – um, there's a certain amount that each team has devoted to the the free agent uh, signings, um, and and it's not a ton. Um, it's you know as far as doing doing signing bonuses and stuff like that. Um, so sometimes it, it, it's hey I can't give you a signing bonus, but I can give you a guarantee. Sometimes you're looking at you know five thousand dollars, ten thousand um, dollars. You know we've we've had some that have gotten upwards of around twenty thousand, you know twenty five thousand in guaranteed money. But you're not looking at a lot because they've got to split it between their entire undrafted free agent class. Um, and so you know unless you're just somebody that you know no idea how you fell through the cracks, but we really really want you and we're gonna you know put the money on it to keep you there. Um, you know, you're not looking at a ton of money, but, but so, you know, sometimes you can negotiate that. Sometimes the team say, Hey, I don't have any money left, especially if you're a later sign. Um, but it, it just, yeah, it, it depends on what you can, you know, really how bad the team needs you, um, what the, the agent can negotiate. And then sometimes how early you pull the trigger and say, listen, I'm going to you because if you wait, if you lollygag around and say, well, you know, I've got a couple of offers. I've got a couple of irons in the fire. Let me see how this plays out. You might lose some money. So I was wondering, uh, is Brian, is there, is NIL having any effect on kids wanting to explore the draft? Is that, is that have you seen that yet? Have you seen some uh, kids say, hey, listen, I think I'm going to stay another year in college. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this NIL money. So I really don't need to try to take that risk into entering the draft and, and hitting it big just now. Are, are are you seeing that at all yet, or do you think? And do you think that's going to happen? I, I mean, the 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 NIL stuff has has really kind of upended everything to do with the process. Um, and right now, it's it's the wild west, and I couldn't tell you how things are going to pan out as as you know this goes on. I have to assume that states are going to try to 
regulate this. I have to assume they're going to try to rein it in. I have to assume the NCAA is going to try to rein it in because right now I think they're kind of feeling, and this is just my, my personal opinion on it, but I think they're kind of feeling like they've lost the control uh, that they had on the players um, and, and had on, on institutions as well. Um, so I, I don't know what it's going to do in the future. Right now, you know, the thing is that these, these large NIL deals that you're seeing, and I can only speak for football. I don't, I don't recruit any other sport. I don't do baseball. I don't do basketball. I don't do, uh, you know, gymnastics or any of the women's sports where, where you are seeing a, a good bit of NIL money getting, getting devoted to. Um, I only do football. But, uh, you know, the, the guys that are getting the large NIL deals, the ones that really, you know, kind of tip the scales, um, they're, they're not saying, well, okay, now that I got this, I'm going to, I'm going to wait because they can make so much more money, uh, you going, going to the NFL. So mm-hmm. a guy that was, you know, going to be a, a first round draft pick is a, let's say as a junior is not going to say, okay, well now I've got this NIL money. I've got a little breathing room. I can stay and I can finish out. I mean, sure. There's going to be the, the, uh, you know, the odd player that says, hey, yeah, I'm going to stay because I want to get my degree. But for the most part, uh, you know, these guys are, are by the time they, they hit junior year, they're ready to move on. And sure, the money is nice, but, you know, you, you got to kind of put it in perspective is that they go on to the draft. They're going to have their team contract. They're going to have bigger deals uh, that are coming their way, because once you get into a major market city, I mean, a kid that's in you know, let's, let's say Moscow, Idaho, right. He doesn't, doesn't have the, the market that, Hey man, he get, just got drafted to the, to the, to the Rams or he just went to the dolphins and they just went to the jets or the giants or wherever with these major media markets. I mean, there's more money to be made there than, you know, Jimmy Shake Shack down the street from, from the, the campus that's going to give you a free meal and a hundred bucks. I mean, it's, it just, it doesn't make sense. So these guys are, I, I don't, I don't foresee it keeping guys, um, now, I think that what you might see, even though that's not supposed to be the intention, is I think that you, you're going to see guys going to institutions where they see larger NIL deals being signed out of high school. Um, I think that you're going to see that as they're saying, hey, man, I have the marketing potential. If I'm as good as this guy that's getting, you know, whatever, um, I'm as good as him. Let me go there and, you know, I can make that kind of money and still get to the league and, and get my contract and all that. So I think that might be a, a, a different side of it but i don't think it's going to keep guys in in school hmm. so i know you said you 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 deal only in football but surely you have kind of a a, a network of other agents that you're talking with do the other sports kind of have these same issues and the same discussions as as the football discussion yeah i mean so so the 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 college athlete uh, you know regardless of sport uh, you know, there's still there's still kids that a lot of times, you know, you, you've got kids that, that came from nothing, that have nothing, that are struggling, that have family that are struggling. And, uh, you know, NIL helps out, um, you know, making that little bit of extra money because people don't understand, um, you know, if you haven't been around college athletics, um, people don't understand that the types of schedules that these that these kids have. Um, they don't understand that there's really not time to go and work a job. I mean, when I was in college, um, you know, I, I have zero athletic ability. Uh, so I was not playing for any collegiate team. So, you know, I went and I had a job and I worked for the, the, uh, the campus activity center. Uh, and I was 
working at GameStop for a little while. And, you know, I was able to make some money and, and you know, go out on a date with my girlfriend if I wanted to or, or you know, go on a little trip with my, my friends. Um, but these college guys, they can't do that. Um, and, and I say college guys, I mean guys, girls, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, it's, it's not unique to any sport. They don't have that kind of money, and they don't have the ability to just go out and get a job to do that. So NIL really does help these kids um, because they, you know, they're, they're, they're regular kids. They still want to go and, and buy a new pair of shoes. They still want to go to the, to the movies. They still want to buy a new PS5 when it comes out. And, and you know, if, if they were working, if they weren't an athlete, if they weren't, you know, performing for the school, they'd be able to go do that. So I think that, the, I think that NIL really helps those kids out. Um, and I, I see it overall as a, as a net benefit um, to, to the kids and, and honestly to the institutions because it does allow for some of these kids that are, that are quality players, that are good athletes, that help their team win games, that, that are, are, you know, maybe, maybe they go on to the next level, maybe they don't, but, but some of those will help the kids stay in. Um, you know, and so we're, we're talking here about, you know, the, the pinnacle of athletic achievement, which is going on to play your sport professionally, but now, when you're talking about these 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 other kids that that are still great athletes and still play at a high level, um, you know, I think for some of them, you know, to kind of go back to the other question, I think maybe it will help some stay in longer, um, not the not the ones that are primed and ready to go for for you know, like I said, the professional you know levels, but but the average you know player that that is out there, I think it does help. Do you feel that we're headed down a, a course in in all of? college athletics and I kind of ask this as a loaded question where if I'm a student athlete and maybe I'm at a, a mid-major college but you know some of the bigger p5s are calling that I'll want to talk to you as an agent in order to make sure that that is the right move for me and my professional aspirations you know I've I've always felt like the the more input the more quality input players can get, um, the better. Um, I, I've always felt like it, it was it was a little bit odd that you that you restrict access to people that do this for a living, that see it for a living, that that are are dealing with uh, you know scouts and, and front offices and and GMs and um, you know the the these these college towns that have been around them and have been around programs and know how the programs are going to treat their athletes. I mean, there are definitely some schools, um, you know, from from your P5s down down to your G5s that treat their athletes better and not just facilities and, and you know, their, their meal plans or whatever, but as far as uh, promoting them and, and getting the word out about them and making sure that, that the, the uh, professional teams and scouts are aware of them, there are some teams that, that do a heck of a lot more than others. Um, and so, like I said, my, my position has always been more information is, is better as long as the sources are okay. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with a college saying, listen, um, if you want to talk to our players, uh, you've got to be registered. You've got to be vetted. We've got to make sure that you're, that you're not some shyster that's coming in and giving them bad advice. I, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, but but the, the way it used to be where it was, don't come within, you know, 100 yards of our players. We don't want you talking to them. We don't want you to send them a tweet. You don't, we don't want you following them on Instagram. You know, and that's, that's the, uh, the, the, you know, kind of attitude that a lot of schools had towards, towards agents was, you know, keep away from, from our athletes. We'll handle it until it's your turn. 
uh, and a lot of those schools didn't do a good job. Um, and you had guys that came out and, and, you know, I get calls from players that I don't even represent that say, you know, Hey, Brian, I, you know, I know that you're not my agent, but what the heck is going on? What am I supposed to do from here? What, you know, these are, you know, we, we send to, to any, to any athlete that we talk to, um, and we've got a, 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 a PDF of, of questions, um, that, that we say, listen, these are the things that you should be asking your whoever it is you're interviewing with to be to be your agent to be your uh, your representation and we say you, you know don't just ask me these questions you need to ask anybody these questions and so uh there are questions that these guys have never even considered asking to to other agents or anything uh and i think that on the front end you know going going into a meeting with uh colleges and, and universities and and going into these programs you know a lot of these kids unless they have uh, you know, brothers or sisters that have been through the process or people in their family that have been through the process, they don't know what to ask. And so they get, you know, roped into these situations where, you know, a coach tells them, you know, and sells them on a dream that they know is never going to occur. Or the coach is saying, I'm going to be there for the long haul, knowing they've got another contract waiting in the wings and they're about to leave. Um, you know, it just happens. And so I, I don't see the harm in having people that are experienced helping guide a player uh, towards what's best for them. Because we're looking at a short window, Right. When you know, I was talking to my wife about this the other day is, is that, you know, the, the agent process and, and, and the, you know, the NFL experience, um, you know, a lot of people say the, the NFL is not just the National Football League. It stands for not for long, right? And so it, it doesn't hurt my feelings when you've got a guy that, that says, listen, uh, you know, I'm a young kid. I'm 20, 21 years old. Um, and all of the, the meaningful money that I'm going to make in my life statistically is going to be made within the next five years, right? Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't hurt my feelings when a player says, listen, you know, I've, I've, I've interviewed a ton of people. Um, I like you, but I like these guys, and these are guys that I think I'm going to go with. Um, that doesn't hurt my feelings uh, because they've got to be a little bit selfish, and, and I don't understand why uh, having an agent on the front end of things to help them make sure that they're making those good decisions at the beginning. Um, why anybody wouldn't want that. If that, you know, is a roundabout way of answering it, I guess. <laughs> Brian, I have got one last question for you before we let you get back to your bourbon. What right. Nicholas Cage movie have you watched that everybody likes, but you kind of hate? Hmm. One that one that I am not as well. I guess I guess everybody hates uh, uh, Wicker Man. I guess I can't say that everybody. That was, <laughs> no, you can't, like, you can't pick Wicker Man. Hate no. uh, I, I don't think that there that there's anybody that that watched that when it was like, oh yeah, that's that's the one that I like. Um, <laughs> one that one that I was was not a, a big fan of uh, that he got really good uh, uh, reviews for. Was his uh, his his participation in the uh, the Kickass movies? I was not a big fan of those. Um, you know, I know that everybody said, "Oh, he's uh, he's so great." That was a great performance by him. I uh, I didn't particularly like that one. And as much of I, as I like National Treasure, I didn't like National Treasure two either. So I'd say either of those. You know, I was I I, I just finished National. I you know I have National Treasure Tippino on DVD format, but I was watching uh, National Treasure two. And you're right. He, that he that was not his best work. No, it might have been the script. 
but uh, but definitely definitely not one I would pick. You know, you you, you put uh, National Treasure two or Lord of War in front of me. I'm picking Lord of War every time. Oh, I love Lord of War. <laughs> great movie. Great I know. Movie. And he's awesome in that. Lord of War is great. Yeah. And you know what's another movie I like him in that I cannot remember the name of it, but Jessica Beale's in it. And he's like, he can he can he can look into the future and see how things uh, play next. out. What? Next. Yes, next. That's what it's called. Next, right? Yes. Or is it knowing? Or is it knowing? No. Uh, knowing's another movie. That's the one where the aliens come down and they uh, the world's yeah. gonna that you know, that one's good too. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. There, there's not. There's, I understand that he's that he's got some. He's got some duds. Some of these direct to DVD, uh, you know, uh-huh. pay the IRS type movies. But but uh, he's got he's got a solid body of work. That's what I'll say. Listen, if, if, just if, please, Brian. Tell me you're not the kind of super fan that you have a Nicolas Cage blanket. Oh, I definitely do. <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> I have, I'll tell you this, when my when my first child was born at the hospital, I wrapped her in a blanket of Nicolas Cage's face. Now, do you have God's gold, honest truth. Do you have gold-plated pistols that you carry like he did in Face Off? I wish. I wish. <laughs> hey, he, he just did a uh, he just did a uh, there was just an article out, I think I shared it on my Facebook, where uh, he said that he's the that, that there have been talks for a face off too. Oh my god. <laughs> now, I don't know how how substantive those talks have been. I don't know how you do it considering Caster Troy died in, in face off, but you know, the magic of, of uh Hollywood, maybe maybe they can bring him back. You know, I, I could see them that you know he might have died, but they saved his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and why I, not? And, and I'm remembering right, he had a kid in that movie. And yeah, been enough time. We get John Woo back. We can have the doves flying out of the corners. We can get the slow motion. Yeah, we could get John Travolta to maybe get back into shape and get back into his role. I would love to see a face. No, no, no. Leave, him, leave him out of shape. Leave him out of shape. This is real world. Right. You know, this is down the line. Old fat John Travolta. I would. I all right. That's I'm right. paying That's big right. money for that. Yeah. I I don't I I would even get like a subscription to like uh, Paramount Plus if that's where it showed up. I would go ahead and do that. That sounds like a free. Crap I, I, I would watch. It. I would watch. It. All right, Brian. Thank you so much for being on the show. You did clear up a lot of inside information that we desperately needed to know about uh, about the free agency, about what happens after draft day, what happens during draft day. Thank you very much for sharing that insight. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, I appreciate it. So there we have it, Jeremy. There's the insight of how undrafted free agency works, and now it is time for your favorite part. What's that? Plugs, promos, and parting shots. Yes, I love plugs, promos, and parting shots. Uh, HalRazor.com has put together a, a sort of unofficial timeline of what I call the destruction of college sports. Uh, beginning with, in 1979 when a channel called ESPN hit the air. Uh, take a look at Tell me if you agree with it or not. Uh, but I think we're, we're, Tibbs, I think we're headed into to deeply unsettling, uncharted territory in college sports, and I'm not sure if we're going to weather the storm. I definitely don't see how the G5 
weathers this. It, it, it's definitely going to be a have and have nots. I know that we always talk about that between the P5s as well as the G5, but it's the divide is coming where I really feel like the G5 is going to be almost like the one double A of old. It's too bad because I felt like the group of five was sort of closing in a little bit. Sort of the, the, the talent gap wasn't as big anymore. We're getting our wins. And it's almost like the universe came down and said, no, no, no. There really just needs to be about 12 teams. So Yeah, and, and I don't know how good that is for the sport as a whole. I mean, do you really care to see Clemson and Alabama year in, year out in the national title game? Or do you want that wild card of the Cincinnati's or whoever kind of sneaking in and, and making noise? No, I, I think one thing, the beauty about college sports is that as a fan, as, a, as somebody who has gone to those schools, you've become almost part of the fabric of the team. Like you can adopt a professional team like the Tennessee Titans, for instance, and it can be a lot of fun. And you can feel like you're part of that, but you're not really as par part of the institution as you were as a fan of your alma mater. Like I will always be Arkansas State and the Red Wolves because I went through that institution. I will always have that. So to, to have my school demarginalized by uh, this new NIL system, the new transfer portal, the new the way the Power Five is, is really trying to consolidate power from behind the scenes, take it away from the NCAA, uh, it, 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 it grates me. I don't know what I will do in the next five years if the landscape of college football is such that I only get Clemson and Alabama to root for Definitely ruins the game as a whole. For my parting shot, kind of a PSA. Okay. It's almost time for midterm elections. Make sure you're registered to vote, getting out to vote. I know where I live, we're having a lot of school board elections. That's so make sure you get out and rock the vote, as they used to say in the 80s, to make sure that your voice is heard because school boards are just as important as your representatives. You know, we get so wrapped up in who's the senator and who's the representative and who's the president, but it's really local elections where big differences can be made and, and, and the biggest impacts can be made on your life. So absolutely, Thibodeau, get out there and vote, find out who's on the ballot, do a little research, understand what they're about, and make your vote count. In addition, make sure you follow us on Twitter, FunBeltPC where we'll have some news later this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know the news. I'm going to keep it quiet, though. In the meantime, following Fun Belt Podcast on Twitter is probably more important than voting, Thibodeau. So if you had to do one or the other, I'd it say... Is, it is a vote. It's a vote of approval of what we are doing. That's exactly right. Why did, I, why did our followers just go oh. down? <laughs> What's happening here? You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.